This episode is sponsored by Bigger City. Thank you so much for supporting us and helping our show to grow. Welcome back to the Big Fat Gay Podcast, where we like to talk about the things that are weighing on our minds. Be um, serious, you guys. As we lose our minds from the wild <laughs> chuckling going on in the background as I'm doing the intro. You are ruining Don's intro. Oh my, my name is Don, he said loudly. <laughs> and I live in big, sunny Hollywood. And uh, today I am <clears throat> the only uncaffeinated one in the room. I, uh, <laughs> there are there are espresso shots to the left of me, espresso shots to the right of me, You're and maniacal giggling across from me. Yes, so, there is. Uh, I I will be your voice of reason for this episode, dear listener. Pray for me, <laughs> and I'll be your voice of raisins. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, we've just all had a lot of caffeine, <laughs> and um, and and like that. Hi, my name is Dan Oliverio, <laughs> author, public speaker, and chubby chaser, and caffeinated boy. Yes, super <laughs> hyper. We all not only have we had the espresso, but we also all had uh, Coke Zero with lunch. Yeah, so there's double caffeine. We going are on. cruising yeah. at an altitude. <laughs> they are all actually vibrating at yes. different yes. frequencies, right in front uh, of us. It's very weird. It's harmonic. I'm Trevor Kizan. I'm a super chub, and today I had a lot of espresso, and it's actually like that thing where I'm like a hummingbird, and my heart's beating so fast that it actually <laughs> seems like I'm dead. <laughs> <laughs> but he floats like a bee. Yeah. <laughs> My name is Michael Wheeler. I'm a Chevy Chaser, and I'm seeing stars right now. So <laughs> We are actually going to try and finish the entire episode within 15 minutes today. 15 How minutes. How about Everybody, go, 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 go. Patreon, thank you so much. Big fat. We can't make a set button, Michael. Bum, bum. Bum, bum. Okay. Done. End of episode. Okay. New record. Deep breath. Deep breath. Focus. Focus. Okay. And now we are returning to normal. We're going to stop annoying you. As Since, you know, we're so energized. Uh, <laughs> thank you to all of our uh, patrons of Patreon. We have lots of great stuff there. Check it out. Thank you as always. Big Fig, Bigger City. Everyone <coughs> is for supporting receiving gratitude from us. And we, Michael, just hit that button. Just okay. take us right on in. <laughs> it's we're dancing really fast, and you can see how jittery. Why does we are. it sound so slow? I feel like <laughs> it's a half tempo right now. Relax, come on, relax. I think this is actually an appropriate uh, main topic to start off with. Yeah. Oh, can I read the? I want to read the opening paragraph. I want to read the opening sentence. All right. So we have in food safety news. All right, this is the opening. This, I, as soon as I read this, I was like, this is the most Trevor thing I've read all week. Scottish Food Crime Unit secures a first conviction. The Scottish Food Scotland. Crime and Incidents Unit, SCFCIU, has secured its first major dun, conviction dun. since the agency was created in 2015. I had all sorts of happy fantasies about what this article would be about yeah. as the Scottish Food Police made their first the, arrest. I couldn't decide if it was like they'd been arresting people for making bad haggis or if or, they were or making or people just making haggis. At all? At all. Someone made a vegas vegan. Haggis. Oh, that they would be somebody in. made a vegan scotch egg. Oh that my god, would, that'd wow. be that'd be criminal. monstrous. Criminal. Criminal. It's I don't know if this is a like Law and Order spinoff or a CSI spinoff. Mm. <laughs> I think Law and Order. And while yeah. we're making lots of joke about this, this is a legit take. Yeah, this like I, they did some good work here. Yeah. Yes. Um, so <laughs> there is a fellow, uh, Jamie George. 
uh, I don't know what that would sound like in a Scottish accent. I'm not going to attempt it. <laughs> Who was, all right, Dan, you're going to have to help me with the name of this drug. Oh, yeah. He's 32 years old. He was uh, the owner and operator of a gym, I believe. Yeah. Is that correct? So, yeah, the, the substance is DNP, been known in bodybuilding circles for a very long time and dieting circles way back to the 30s <laughs> when it was banned in the United States. But it's because it's an industrial chemical and a sometime explosive. It, <laughs> oh, my it God. Can't, it can't be banned because we need it. Unfortunately, uh -huh. it is probably the most toxic diet pill ever invented. Um, and can be fatal. And we'll get into that. So it, the, the abbreviation for it is DNP. It's actually uh, dinitrophenol. Mm. And this is not something that's sold as a diet pill anymore. It used to be, though. No, in the 30s for a few years and before the 30s before, anyway. 100 for years 16 ago. 16 minutes before its first customer yeah, exploded. Um, and it, the, the problem is it's highly effective because it's highly toxic. Um, uh -oh. I mean, death I, is I the know. ultimate weight loss program. It is. It I don't know. Why is Trevor laughing so hard? Uh, so it's the thing of, I'm sorry, listener, we're going through it today. I, because I'm just so caffeinated, everything's faster in my brain. <laughs> <laughs> Imagining like if I took one of these pills and then just like the white flash and explosion <laughs> of my body exploding from being superheated <laughs> by this drug. So maybe I should get into the, yeah. the pharmacology of this. So the way it works, the reason it's such, <laughs> such a drastically effective and toxic little pill for dieting, or as bodybuilders say, cutting, dude, I'm cutting, which oh. means starving yourself. Oh, lovely. Um, except they don't even call it starving themselves. They call it um, calorie deficit training. Oh, God. <laughs> which is starving. That's called starving. Jesus. <laughs> anyway, so what the drug does is it interferes with the adenosine cycle in the mitochondria. Basically, it keeps your cells from manufacturing the energy your body needs. Oh. So the other cells that remain unaffected, which is fewer now, right? Because the drug has, if you, took, if you took enough of it, you would just die. Oh, so fun. the remaining cells have to work twice, twice as hard trying to give your body energy. Well, what this, this also has an effect on heat, body heat. So it raises the body's internal temperature as the little mitochondria that are left work even harder, mm -hmm. resulting in sometimes organ failure because you're cooking yourself. You're cooking literally. spontaneous human combustion. Not quite yes. that, not quite that. So imagine this, imagine shifting your car into a low gear Imagine shifting your car into low gear so it's really inefficient at generating power, mm -hmm. uh, or I should say speed, and then driving at 40 miles an hour down a side street. Like, you're going to burn your engine out. Yeah. So that's how this, that's, and you're also going to use a lot of gas, right? Dan, that's how you race, okay? You have to keep your torque high in order to. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's really super toxic, but a very fine explosive. Hmm. I mean, and because, again, that's its industrial use. So aside from this article, so, you know, I shared this article for the outline. I read it. I was very excited. Um, and Dan was explaining all of this to me. And then I saw apparently on Reddit, I can't remember the article. They are, aside from, you know, Scotland uh, cracking down on this case, there is a new study that is in human trials of basically using this drug for weight loss. <laughs> what? Oh Even though God. this has already, we already know that like, oh, you just, you want to kill someone by cooking them alive? Give them a pill. Well, it's the ultimate thing in diet culture where better dead than fat. Yeah. Hmm. Because yeah. if you think about who's pursuing this, it's not that bodybuilders don't know this risk. It's that the risk just means it's really super effective. Yeah. Because no, no pain, no gain. Well, yeah. there, there is that. But there's also this thing in bodybuilding where one of the reasons you know the drug works is because they're banning it. 
<laughs> if it didn't work, they wouldn't bother to ban it. So yeah, it works. I, <laughs> on the flip I mean, side, like it's kind of cool to say my weight loss pill can be used as a demolition. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, so do we think that... In Dude, the, you'll blow up. <laughs> <laughs> this case of this drug, the fact that it was a gym owner, that it was more for like he was dealing to bodybuilders oh, as opposed totally. to, yeah. you know, the, the thin white ladies trying to be like, well, I just got to lose that last stubborn five pounds or... Oh, it was being sold at his gym. Oh, right? yeah. No, and he was he, dealing. Yeah. yeah. And that's why they shut him down, and that's why the bigger fines, because it's he, not like... No. And by the way, it is actually not illegal to possess. It's like a lot of prohibition so, laws. It's only illegal to sell. I know nothing about this, but like I do keep hearing stories about like gym owners getting arrested for peddling pills. Oh, yeah. It always seems to be the owners. Like... <laughs> Why? I think because they land the because they have the most to lose. It's no, you can't go after the trainer in the corner. Oh, okay. Oh, I see. Gotcha. So it's the target. It's target. the target. Yeah. So I mean, um, could you theoretically he, be like, well, I'm selling these, you know, this this material and pill capsules, you know, to dose it so people can demo, you know, demolish their dollhouses or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Little tiny C four packets. Yeah. Little tiny C four packets. So just to put a pin in this the this particular chemical has been associated with at least 33 deaths in the united kingdom since 2007 so definitely something that not only can be fatal but actually is actively fatal um and so he was sentenced to i think 37 wow months 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 months. yeah not years yeah makes Um, sense um i actually might put the scottish food crime and incidents unit into my news aggregator just because i'm so i was so fascinated to see this and I am curious to see more. Well, and isn't that just the Scottish version of the FDA? That's kind of but that, no, but it sounds so much cooler. Yeah. It does. Scottish crime unit. Dunk dong. When I was explaining it, um, to, I, I told Cody about this, and I was like, "It's like kind of like I guess the FDA, but cooler." <laughs> well, I think because it has more teeth. Because <laughs> they gotta eat. Because yeah. they gotta eat. Okay. So our next story brings back somebody <laughs> that I didn't think I'd ever hear hear about again. Yeah. 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 Any, uh, uh, Jessica any... Simpson is back oh, on our yeah. radar. I love this story. This is from Scary Mommy. She's sort of the anti-Gwyneth Paltrow. Yes. yes. She yes. does seem to be that way, doesn't she? And I she? love the, the, the watch cry in this article. The pull quote is, my kids don't even know what a calorie is. Mm-hmm. Right. And then it's like, oh, how crazy. But then you read the article and she's... You know, so Jessica Simpson, for anybody who doesn't know, is uh, was a singer in the sort of singer actress, singer actress model, sort of in the Britney Spears era yeah. of popular blonde young things. Yeah. She doing. looked like an adult Britney Spears. In a lot yeah. Of yeah. And so, you know, she obviously was the target of a huge amount of um, not well, body scrutiny, body scrutiny, yeah. 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 but also really just kind of like painting her as a bimbo and yeah. it's like very like. Um, misogyn- misogynist like yeah. thing that we did just because that was like this is how uh, part of the article goes into like Gen Z being shocked at how much she was scrutinized and also like this like it's just weird to think about like how normal all of these horrible things were at the time and, and, and also know, the, one of the, the things ox- that I wasn't really aware about of her is that apparently she must have gained a lot of weight after her period of fame mm-hmm. and she lost a hundred pounds she, yeah, back? she said she was addicted to alcohol, drank a lot, gained mm-hmm. a lot of weight during that time, and then went sober. And as a result of going sober, lost over yeah, hundred. So pounds. I, I, I'm not. I wasn't aware about any of that. So I'm assuming during that time period, like 
a woman who is held up as a, st- a standard of beauty and oh, then yeah. loses it gets crucified. So I'm assuming that yeah, you get crucified on the way time. up, you get crucified on the way mm-hmm. down, or yeah. you get that that pity like, isn't it great that she's finally doing something? Uh, you know, but that, your, her attitude though is amazing. So she yeah. has kids, and she said, look, basically, I don't teach them about you know counting calories or any of that other stuff. They literally yeah. don't know what a calorie is. I just live in a way that is being active and healthy so that they can observe somebody living in that way. Yeah, here, the the thing about, like, they don't know what a calorie is, that's not just mommy talk. That is, during the course of the interview, she tells the story about she, she had friends over and one of them is saying, like, oh, that really, that's so bad, it has so many calories. And later, her, like, six year old pulls her aside and says, mommy, what's a calorie? (laughs) <laughs> and she was like, never mind, you, never you mind, yeah. nothing you need to worry about. Not to worry about. Yeah. yeah. I can't imagine what my take on food and my body would be if I had been raised that way. Yeah. yeah. Everything was so focused on pay attention to your food, pay attention to your food, Absolutely. pay attention to your body. And whatever you, you know? do, it's wrong. Yeah. <laughs> whatever you I do. I could not win. No. I could not win. No, that's, that's the pernicious thing about it, is that no matter what you eat, no matter what you weigh, you're either wrong or about to be wrong. You're yeah. only one yeah. mistake away from utter failure. Well, right. I think being able to go through that the way she did and so many other celebrities mm-hmm. at the time and, like, come through that at the other end and be able to do that for your kids, but also, like, still be under scrutiny because... Yeah. Part of the interview is like, you know, she went through this weight loss after giving up alcohol and then people are like, oh, are you on Ozempic? Oh, yeah. Because that is so prevalent in, you know, Hollywood right now. Yeah. And her just being like, you know, I can't do anything right. Yeah. And and imagine, because there are so many, <laughs> I think I think of a, a lot of our listeners uh, have a lot of mothers who have undergone that kind of scrutiny, maybe not quite so publicly, yes. but have undergone that scrutiny and just passed it on down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. even like my mom tried to not do that because she was under that scrutiny. But I think it just was so prevalent in her life and like her whatever body stuff where it just, you know, there can be ways where you can be trying to do that and it still just seeps out Yeah, because you might not be trying to do it to your kids, but you're doing it to yourself and it just kind of like your kids are watching. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm glad your mom had that level of awareness. I wonder if my mom didn't, my mom Mm -hmm. was very enthusiastically, Happy to shovel on everything she got and then yeah. pour onto me. Oh, so. and a lot of parents, a lot of mothers, yeah. a lot of fathers feel it's their duty. Like, yeah, I would be remiss as a parent not to pass on. And this. I get right. it. Like from her perspective, she was trying to prevent me from becoming an adult that was having to deal with all the things she was having to deal with. Mm-hmm. Adult. Mm-hmm. I get it, but it sucks. Yeah, know. Yeah, that's not helpful. I, I like the story. So um, they, they, she talks about a story about her uh, oldest daughter who's in high school, I believe, early, maybe middle. I think she's in high school. Uh, being taller than anyone else in her class. Like she sprouted first and fast. This is the daughter of Jessica Simpson. Of Jessica mm-hmm. Simpson, right. And and her daughter coming home one day and being like, should I be, uh, what's the term she used? Should I be, not embarrassed, but like. Insecure. insecure. Should, should I, I be insecure? insecure that I'm so tall? Yeah. And she was like, if you have to ask, then the answer is no. No, absolutely not. <laughs> Which is a strange answer, but the it idea is a of like, if you're like, should I be? Like I have a choice, should I be? Yeah. 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 But it's a really wise answer. Because that's an answer you can apply to so many things in your life. Yeah. You know? And re- that's a great thing to instill in your kids, I think. It reminds me of a seminar I did with some regular folks um, about raising kids and, and the whole fat stigma with kids. And this woman volunteered 
and I'm, I'm showing this up as like the opposite of the great answer where she's mm-hmm. like, oh, honey, you're not fat. You're beautiful. Oh, yeah. Boy. Which is like the kiss of death. Yeah. No, yeah but, which, means, which means you're not beautiful and you're definitely fat. Yeah. But you know what? <laughs> that, was, that was considered a really good answer maybe uh, 40 years ago. Mm-hmm. You know? With so many of these things, it's so hard to get angry at the older generation because they're trying their best with what they were given, but oof. Um, I don't know. For our Gen Z listeners or just people maybe who weren't as plugged in, there's a really great um, series in You're Wrong About uh, a couple of episodes about Jessica Simpson and everything she went through. Is that a podcast? Yes. Um, I don't know how many episodes it is, but it's kind of, they were reading her, the book uh, by Jessica Simpson. She wrote about her, like her autobiography. Um, and it's just really interesting to like unpacking of that moment and how, what she went through and also like the analysis of this is what was going on in the culture at the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a wild time when people, I mean, if you, know anything about what happened to Britney Spears yeah. and recently her sort of finally getting out of that situation. Like it is what that she, it, she was not the only one. Yeah. yeah. Like this happened to a lot of those, those young women. Mm-hmm. But let's move on to fat watch. All right. Fat watch 2023. I'm, I'm flying past Scooty today. It's, there's a shockwave and a boom and I, <laughs> I'm soaring past. I do actually have a, all of my sp- all of my space theme sound effects on here. Hold on. Oops, sorry. Well, there. Nope. I forgot that I can't play multiple sound effects from different banks. Okay. So we we don't get the music anymore. <laughs> the listener gets the music. Well, um, um, we I don't know. I think this is appropriate in kind of the the continuing the theme of um, you know oh, inspiring young minds, supporting kids. Um, this is a nice pick me up from yes. from last episode. <laughs> uh, in the New York Daily News, there was a feature on. A plus size uh, marathoner who is mentoring girls, um, and her name is Latoya Shante Snow. Yes, which is an awesome name. Yeah, that's fantastic. Um, she is a, a fat woman who runs, has run multiple twenty six marathons. Mm-hmm. I think twenty six. Which I can't. Like I'm trying to wrap my head around that much running because, <laughs> of course, you train for a marathon. And then, too. how do you get back if you're that far away? Right, like you, you've gone so so far. <laughs> I'm just tired imagining. You just got that, didn't you? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm ten steps ahead and five steps behind, mm-hmm. all at once. Um, anyway, so she it's it's an interview with her, um, talking by uh, written by Leonard Green, um, but also not just talking about how she takes on something like a marathon and dealing with, for instance, she tells a story about a guy literally while she was running Mm -hmm. the marathon from the sideline, like yelling. I don't even remember what he said. He said something like, yeah, he said, um, it's going to take your fat ass forever, huh? And then she stopped and, like it got her. Yeah. Like it, it got really her, yeah. got her. It distracted her. And so anyone who's done any kind and of. And by the way, when you say he got her, she went over to the guy. Yeah. Yeah. She confronted him. <laughs> yeah. That's well, what that, I mean. And, yeah. but I like that she says, you know, she did that, but then it like, it cost her time. Yeah. Well, I love that. Just the idea of like, you don't let it get to you because it will literally cost you time to like stop and break yeah. that stride. As a greater metaphor for one's life. Yeah. If you deal yeah. with these people, it costs you the rest. It costs you something else. Time and energy. And mm-hmm. then you're in that yeah. moment with them and you give them power credence. But yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. So, um, she uses this as an example because what the article is about is not just her or not only her, but also teaching high school girls how to train for a marathon and accomplish the same thing, things that she has. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and basic in part of it, it's the whole thing for her is, not just, oh, here's physically what you have to do, 
which is part of it, like literally training for marathon, but also mentally, which anyone who's done any kind of sports or competitive physical activity knows that the mental game is more important than the physical game. Like you being able to tune out, for instance, as she says, tune out the haters, tune out the critique, even your internal voice trying to tell you that you can't do something is at the top. That's like lesson number two, I think she says. Yeah, I, I would, well, and especially if you just think of like any human being, right? If you're pursuing something like a long-term project, whether, whether it's like, you know, you're, you're rehearsing a, a play for community theater or you're training for a marathon or you're, you have some project that you're, that is taking time away from what other people consider the rest of your life. <laughs> and that's one thing, like explaining that to people saying, no, I can't because, and them having some opinion about that. But then you're a fat person talking about a physical activity that you are in pursuit of and all the, the avalanche of little pebbles and big boulders that falls on you in that conversation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think there's also the extra context of being fat is, is a huge part of that, but also just telling somebody, Hey, I'm going to swing for the fences here. Yeah. I'm going to try doing something that probably most of the people around me don't do and haven't attempted before. And I'm going to do a big thing. I'm going to run a marathon. I'm going to train like that inherently invites people to challenge you. It just people yeah. frequently just, it's like the whole, like, you know, if they get famous and successful, you got to tear them down thing. It's like when you see somebody trying hard, oftentimes the sort of gut reaction is like, oh, well, how are you going to do all the other things in your life? How well, are you going to, because you know? it justifies them not doing it. Right. Right. And so that kind or of, or them not liking it or, you know. and then you add on being fat on top of yep. it. Mm -hmm. The class she's teaching is not, specifically for fat people. No, no. It's just she is a fat person teaching it for, for high school girls to mm. be able to not only physically be able to accomplish this, but also mentally prepare them for the rest of life, really. Like having mm. that kind of an attitude attempting anything you might want to do is, is invaluable. And the fact that she's a fat black woman, I think yeah. makes it so like, no, you can do this. Yeah. Well, and like, you know, she says she wanted to be, to like be the opportunity um, to, for people to see themselves that she didn't have when she was in high school. Yeah. 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 And that's such a, I mean, that is such a vulnerable age to be. Yeah. And it reminds me of all the other stories we've talked about in the past where like, you know, I had no role models, so I had to be the role model. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, I also feel like, uh, up till, up till high school, I feel like a lot of us are sort of encouraged to be able, you can do anything. Right. And high school is around the age where you start getting the signal. Yeah. No, not that. Right. So having someone standing at that critical moment mm -hmm. telling people, yes, right, that's especially that means the world. As a teenager mm -hmm. going into high school, like, trying to decide what you do want to do, like you're mm -hmm. starting to make those decisions for yourself instead of just doing what you think you should or what your classmates are doing or what your parents tell you to do, you know, in elementary school, middle school. In high school, yep. you're starting to develop your identity. You're saying, I want to do this. I want to stand for this. So this is a woman who went out and did the thing that all of us need to do, need to try our best to do, which mm -hmm. is to become the examples that we didn't get. Yeah. One of the role model you never had. I think this is a great point to transition. She overcame so her inner voice. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, our main topic, we're kind of going to be, uh, I don't know, Sharon and Karen and telling some stories about kind of overcoming others' perceptions of us or just kind of like our own um, perceptions, like perceptions, self-doubt. Self um, kind of like yeah. the little, the little uh, engine that could. Like, when I think were I can. each of us the little engine that could? A little face on a train, being like, <laughs> I think I can, I think I can. I, but I, I've, I've leveled out, but I, th I definitely could 
at the start of the episode when I was still riding that espresso yeah, sugar there's high. A, <laughs> the, the sugar is the, is the real kick. And, yes. then, and then we start getting into this yeah. part of the episode. So the basics like, of it is like, at what time did you engage in something that you didn't think you were up to the task? Or that other people didn't Or think. that other people didn't think you were mm-hmm. up to the task for and you achieved your goals mm-hmm. or disproved their lack of goals for you. Yeah, mm-hmm. I got one of those. Well, what, what, what is that one that you're thinking of, Dan? So this was in the realm. See, I never really considered myself a fat activist. I just talked about chub chaser relationships. Mm-hmm. And then other people started saying, oh, you do all this fat activism. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, and this is how I actually met up with the people who uh, were running NAFA at the time. And that's the organization Trevor's talked about so, so often, mm-hmm. the National Association for the Advancement of Fat Acceptance. To advance fat acceptance. To advance fat acceptance. Um, so I was leading a seminar about chub chaser relationships at bigger Vegas. And in the, the way it was set up at that time, the big room I was in also held the vendors hall. So there were people on the, on the edges that had tables. And one of these tables was, uh, Darlene and Peggy. Yes. Who were basically the, the backbone of NAFA at that time and arguably still. Hmm. And so they heard like, oh, this guy's going to talk about fat chub chaser relationships and he looks like that. And they had all these preconceived notions. They told me this later. Okay. Mm. The end of the story is they invited me to present at their national conference in Washington. But at the beginning, they had this thing about you. someone who looks like you isn't allowed to talk about this. Mm. Someone who looks like you couldn't possibly, they were just convinced, given what I looked like, that I was going to give them a great big speech about diet and exercise Oh, and how with a little bit of effort they could look like me. And like, and you, you know me, that's exactly not yeah. what, I mean, <laughs> boy, am I not saying that. Yeah. Um, and I give a lot of seminars on a lot of various, various topics, but it, it was an example of, of one of the things that I encounter a lot is that someone who looks like you shouldn't like that, shouldn't talk about that, shouldn't be good at that. And that watching them deal with, oh, now that, now that I know you are, what do I do about that? So uh, that, that was really a nice turn. And believe me, as a very out chubby chaser, I get a lot of like, stop that. Mm. <laughs> Just stop. Just stop it. Stop Damn liking it. that. Stop talking about it. Stop, little, stop, stop. Little bop with the newspaper. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, uh, I like that one. I like that one. That's, I mean, are we, are we going in chair order? Uh, sure. Are you going? Um, I don't know. I guess I, mine is like a little more recent and it's something I'm like still going through in. So, you know, I've, I've talked a little bit about, um, you know, I was doing uh, virtual Pilates through the pandemic and earlier this year I started going back to the gym and doing mm-hmm. weight training and stuff and working mm-hmm. with a trainer. And I have been getting better at that, but because I've been getting better, my trainer just kind of keeps pushing me. Oh, getting better at these weight. weight yeah. Like I'm, I'm improving, exercises. I'm getting stronger, mm. but it, I keep the difficulty keeps going up. And it <laughs> is the thing where it's like, I, I, it's fucking with me where it's like, I just feel like I'm not improving because it is, I, you know, it is at a constant level of difficulty. Have you told your trainer this? I did. Okay. And it's, I had this like realization, which I, had at some point before when I was like, when I first started working out of like the ride never ends, which, <laughs> this is a reference. I think I've talked about this before. The reference to like this meme of this online roller coaster tycoon thing where it's basically like an end, like it doesn't <laughs> stop. And like, I was talking to my trainer about this, like, you know, I can't win the gym. Yeah. yeah, mm. yeah. And just like, I was really fighting that for a long time of like, I just, 
I don't win. I just, and like, which if you're not winning is like, so I'm just constantly losing this battle. Well, if you're, if your world is made up of only winning and losing. Yeah. Yeah. And just really having to kind of like reassess and acknowledge, like I am getting stronger. I am improving. I'm doing more. But it's just hard, and it's yeah. It's, there, there's, I mean, there's a, a a saying from Zen, which is the mountain has no top. Yeah, mm. yeah. You never catch the dragon. Have, <laughs> have you had a Have you had a sort of a eureka moment where you really did feel it? Um, I mean, I have felt it at several points, and there have been actually times where I'm doing an exercise where he hasn't changed it, and I'm like, I can do this now. It's just kind nice. of easy. Nice. And I don't want to say anything yet, so I can just enjoy this moment of like, it'll make it this hard. is easy. Yeah. And you, I mean, you should see Trevor in the gym because obviously, you know, I work out pretty regularly and occasionally I look over at Trevor and it's like, holy shit. Because when you think about what you're, like if people understand like the biomechanics of that and your size and your weight, mm-hmm. it's yeah. like, that is fucking impressive. And all these all these stupid little Twinkie trainers or even not so Twinkie <laughs> where it's like, you know, yeah, I'm doing, you know, I'm doing squats with this much weight. It's like, yeah, that's my husband's body weight. Yeah. yeah. That's just his every day. <laughs> that's him getting out of a chair. Well, and <laughs> one of my, you know, my first trainer I had had this thing where I was doing just kind of like, I don't know, sitting up, like sit up, like getting up from a chair, kind of like squat things. And he was giving me um, these, you know, sandbag weight things (laughs) and even when he didn't he's like well like that's just your body weight i'm like yes because i weigh zero pounds this is nothing it is air all of this is air (laughs) this is you know yeah yeah that we weigh the same except that you use weights yeah no no. (laughs) and he finally kind of got it then but like my new like most of what i do with my trainer is just my body weight um because he yeah yeah, because he gets that like that is a lot and getting like Mm-hmm. that like I don't really need to you know put a dumbbell behind me to lift yeah. a lot of weight when I'm doing like doing step ups or doing like kind of step well, back and, squat and plus things. at your weight a 10 pound or a 20 pound dumbbell what the fuck yeah. that's just gratuitous that's just awkwardness mm-hmm. I was so happy when my trainer would hand me $10 10, 10, $10, <laughs> 10, uh, 10 pound barbells because yeah it, it was nothing it was yeah. like this is not an exercise I'm fine this <laughs> mm-hmm. is great but the idea of like you're going to lift your body weight and this 10 pound dumbbell yeah. like that's like, just yeah, fine that's, okay. that's just something to carry oh no you know? it's so hard mm-hmm. why you monster well it, and it's also all that simulates is Trevor taking in a very light grocery bag yeah <laughs> yeah very light uh, to, to reference you know, last episode, just lifting my uh, my tray of food. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. He does curls yeah. with, his, with his cafeteria tray. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, I guess it's my turn. I, I was trying to figure out what I was going to talk about. Um, but I, I think, think you should, if you want to do what you were talking about do, before yeah. the episode. So the, the last like year and a half, two years have been a, an odd kind of struggle. Uh, because inverse from what our, our sort of setup question is of like, what was something that, oh. you know, you people doubted you for, but you overcame the doubt or your own self-doubt. And for me, it's been, oh, I can do this. And then I can't do it, actually. <laughs> Bonk. A con- yeah, <laughs> like a constant cycle of like. Oh, I've been editing professionally for a decade. I can do this. Wait, nope, carpal tunnel. Yeah, your hand is shriveled, oh, yeah. and shriveled up and turns <laughs> black. <laughs> or like I play soccer, you know, I played soccer for like 17 years of my life. I can do this. Nope, sprained ankles every yeah. other day. Welcome to your 30s. Yeah, well, so I've discovered 
that very recently got uh, health insurance. Thank you very much to my employer. Very much appreciate it. Yay. Mm-hmm. Um, that there is an underlying medical condition that I almost certainly have that is genetic oh. that has side effects and symptoms that are exactly what I'm dealing with. Oh. So it's entirely. So I have I had this revelation like this week of like, oh, my God. Yes, probably some, if not a lot of this is related to just getting older, but also probably a lot, if not most of this is like symptoms of a condition that I didn't know I had. I mean, I have to say regards to that and not like, you know, because a lot of things we're talking about are physical symptoms. I have been in a place where I just can't get anything done. Yeah. And it is not even like uh, physical ailments. It is just no matter what I try to do, I cannot accomplish things. Mm-hmm. And me, things me, are you, so much harder. Like just doing it. Set, like So getting my brother's birth certificate. <laughs> my mom, this, uh, just to make this real quick, because this is an exhausting like three-week process. My mom was trying to get a copy of my brother's birth certificate for him. Mm-hmm. And I just kept hitting, kept hitting all these walls and just tr- like trying to upload documents, trying to get stuff processed and like that, but in every area of my life. <laughs> but if I may, there, I, I just want to make a distinction for the listeners that there's one, there's one kind of can't get anything done. Where yeah. You just feel like innervated, like, Oh, I don't, I just, it's almost like procrastination or lethargy. And then there's the other one, which I think you're talking about, which is I am running a mile a minute and not going anywhere. Yes. And I'm just, <laughs> there's all these different areas where I'm just like, okay, I want to try to get this project done. And I just, it's not even like motivation. It is just, I keep hitting walls yeah. and barriers and obstacles. Yeah. Things and, that aren't in your control. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I was, that was me a couple of weeks ago, but mostly for the, la- for the last little while, it's been that like lethargy brain yeah. fog, mm-hmm. like that's frankly, that's been today. And <laughs> you, if listener, just keep in mind the previous episode to this one and this one, we recorded maybe an hour and a half apart. Yeah. This, so this, the difference that caffeine makes yeah. for, oh, caffeine for someone in my position, it's my favorite drug. Um, mm-hmm. it's yeah, it's quite helpful. Yeah. Um, anyway, so th- it was sort of a process of like, I know I can do this because I've done this a lot before. Nope. Mm-hmm. Um, so hopefully this thing is very easy to treat. Uh, and hopefully within the next month or so I'll be like done. Yeah. yeah it is. Go. Yeah. I feel like mine is a, a little bit of a scratched record situation, so I'll be, I'll, I'll be quick. Oh, mm-hmm. wait, I have a sound effect for that. There we go. Ooh. Um, I, I know a lot of the listeners on here are sick to death of me talking about kayaking, but um, one of the reasons why kayaking is a big deal to me. Goddamn is, kayaking. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, being a athlete or a jock or even someone that is physically active was just not part of my self-description, mm-hmm. right? Like, I've been told all my life, you are not athletic, right? Um in a billion different ways, um, often by myself, right? Which, so, if I can just interject, really surprises me because you are so much more of an outdoorsman than I could ever you know, even imagine being. Well, that's because <laughs> I, I grew up in the woods. I mean, that's mm-hmm. not, to me, that's not outdoorsy. That's just normal. I grew up <laughs> in a theater. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the first time I went kayaking, it was not just outside my comfort zone, it was borderline suicidal, Mm. right? Um, I was thrown into a very large kayak in Malibu uh, in the ocean. Yeah. Oh, boy. And just sort of shoved out there, hopefully not off the cliffs. (laughs) Uh, It was beneath the cliffs. It really was. But I I mean, just to give you an idea of what that experience was like, I was uh, maybe out 100 yards um, 
uh, when someone finally told me, oh yeah, this is the southern tip of the bloody triangle. This is where the most great white shark attacks happen. Lots of them right under here. <laughs> oh look, we are, there's nothing but seaweed beneath you right now. <laughs> and you're in a kayak. I'm in a kayak. And to top it all off, the wind is so heavy that I am paddling like crazy oh, to yeah. stand still. Yeah, right? Oh, fun. And yeah. like, I didn't understand, like, this is not fun. This is weird. I don't think I'm good at this. And then the wind stopped. Right. And then the person who is getting me freaked out about sharks, she went off on her own for a little bit <laughs> and I'm by myself and I'm like, this is kind of nice. Right. And then I was, it, it wasn't a great experience, but I was willing to give it a try again. And having done it once before my preconceptions of anticipatory incompetence were now out of my system. Okay. Right? I no longer had the image of myself as being automatically incompetent because of who I am. I think that that hits so many people. That expectation Out of my of, head. Yep. Yeah, the expectation of downfall. Yep. And uh, the next time we rented a little kayak in Newbury, uh, in, in uh, what do you call it, the beach, Newport Beach. Newport. Oh, yeah. Um, with that expectation gone, I found that in the kayak I was as agile, as fast, and as able as everyone else that was doing it. Mm. And after half an hour, I was much better at it than yeah. any of them, yeah. right? Yeah. I loved it. Excellent. Right? And that's the thing that made me feel huge in that moment. And mm -hmm. ever since then, I don't kayak a lot because I live in Hollywood and it's two hours to the beach. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and that's not including the hour to park. Exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, but if I had access, it's something I would do probably yeah. every day. I fucking love it. And, and I miss it. We still have to get you on the fan boat. Oh, I'm going to get on a fan boat one day, damn it. One so, day, it's going to happen. Um, well, I think that's our last. <laughs> I'm just looking at you in horror because I have no right, idea. I, think, yeah, I don't know how to segue out of that. To, yeah. to the regular episode listeners, we just had a massive cutting room floor segment. We'll get cut. <laughs> yeah. I don't remember where we left off, so we're just going to no segue at all. <laughs> Done. Yeah. Take Don, us into you have the a bit. bit. Say it. <laughs> I, so I came up with this bit, and for the life of me, it made sense when I picked it, but now that we've done the episode, I'm like, I have no idea what the connection it is was anymore. before the caffeine. Yes, I it think, was before the caffeine. I think the little engine that could, right? Was the inspiration? Yes, it was the little engine that could. That's right. Oh. So, okay, thank mm. you, Trevor, for bringing me back <laughs> yeah. to center. Taking us home. <laughs> All right. So most of us had a favorite fairy tale or nursery rhyme like oh, the right. little engine that could. <laughs> Um, or other children's story that really made an impression on us. What fairy tale made a big impression on you and why? Mm. Um, so I, I had a weird one, and I feel like I am setting back the cause of all fat people years by admitting this. But, oh, goody. Um, I had a weird little fairy tale book of uh, international fairy tales when I was a kid that didn't actually have international fairy tales. They just had American fairy tales that they stuck in other countries, right? <laughs> so uh, Snow White and the Latvian Vord. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. uh, so like, I, when I heard that Little Black Sambo was a racist story, I was shocked because it took place in India and there uh, were no yeah. black people in my version. I had no idea how mm. it was racist. Um, but like the version of King Midas that I grew up with okay. was mm. a Chinese emperor that was so rich uh, and... Uh, for some reason, when he touched people, anything he touched would turn into chocolate, <laughs> right? Oh, this is sounding familiar. It wasn't gold. It was uh, chocolate. It's so not Chinese. It's not Chinese. <laughs> it's not Midas. I don't know what the hell it was, mm. but uh, that story of him turning his daughter into chocolate. Do you like, remember? Was, I've read that. You read you that version that, too? Yeah, I've read that exact version. I don't Maybe know you had the same like, international little fairy tale book when you were a kid. Yeah. Strange. Uh, yeah, I remember it was that. It was... Uh, 
a Greek version of... Uh, and it was illustrated, right? It was illustrated. Yeah, I've read that. It had a Greek fairy tale about them having like a city overrun with wow. mice, so they get cats to chase the mice out. Yeah. They get dogs. I but, think we had the same yeah. book. So there you go. But uh, yeah, that fairy tale landed hard for me. Um, and I, I, it, for me, the moral was not about chocolate. It was the be careful what you wish for. But mm-hmm. uh, Oh, I just had a good one. I just, okay. Well, Michael, I, we, I, we yeah. have to go directly to you. This then. doesn't always happen because I trying to recall specific things like this is sort of a crapshoot for me. So the first one I thought of was The Boy Who Cried Wolf because yeah, I, it's a good mm-hmm. one. I, for some reason, I don't know, there's a thing for me about yeah, being gaslighted yep. and, and I don't know, like he's tricking everyone, but then he actually has a problem and there's something really horrifying about nobody helping him yeah. because I don't know. I think he dies. He gets eaten by the wolf. Yeah. Oh, this, that's, this explains so much of you. But but that's not the one. Okay, I mean, that was, that yeah. stuck with me. That was my original thought. But then the second one I was thinking of was uh, the emperor's new clothes where oh. he, or not new clothes. That's from the emperor's new group. No, uh, the emperor's, uh, the, what, no, what's the, the emperor's fable new clothes. That's, yeah. It's, is it new clothes? It's the correct story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Right. Okay. Right. So he, the, the fable, if you don't, aren't familiar, is the emperor gets this fabulous new garment, which is nothing. Mm-hmm. It's lit. And so yeah. he's parading through the streets. But, like but everyone is told that only brilliant people can see it. Oh, is that the, that's the okay. twist. Yeah. Or it's, so, it's, it's variously yeah. reported, but basically the idea is like, uh, that it's, it's all hype. This is the ultimate. Yeah. It's all about hype. Mm-hmm. So what I'm remembering, and he's literally naked. He's point. literally naked. He's yeah. wearing nothing. Um, yeah. and, and very proudly. So has no shame because he's wearing this fabulous garment, but everyone can see he's naked. Yeah. And so, but no one will, admit but they're all pretending they can, and see they it. won't say anything. But I think the reason this popped up in my head was if you're reading a children's book version of it, it's illustrated <laughs> with a fat king, with a fat yeah. king. Yes. And I I, this. there I was like, this. Poof, I was like, Oh, I remember being fascinated with this <laughs> fable in a book of fables. And I couldn't have told you why. Because it's an important moral lesson. Yeah. <laughs> sure. It's about hype. Let's, let's go with that. It's about deception. Because we had a book of fables, and The Emperor's New Clothes was one of them. The boy. I wonder wolf. how many of our baby chasers listening had like some storybook or cartoon oh, or don't comic get book. Started. <laughs> yeah. They had some strange connection to that they couldn't quite understand. Yeah, that's the one I'm not telling. Yes. <laughs> Trevor. Um, I don't know. I have so many... I was thinking of the Richards because we had a Richard scary book that my mom hated and would refuse to read. And really? she would get mad when I would ask. She'd be like, you know, I hate that. And you're trying to. Make oh, my God. You, we should describe the Richard scary books. If people don't remember, these are the ones where the it's just worlds populated by domestic animals. So like they're, you know, the pig is the butcher and, and oh, the cat mm-hmm. and the cat runs the bus lines yeah. and the. Okay. You know, they're oh, very sure. Cute. Okay, I remember that. And they're books. very yeah. they're very merrily drawn. Yeah, and the, yeah. the worm in the apple car and stuff. Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, but I guess also, like, I really loved the the Stinky Cheese Man. Oh, why do I know that? I don't, and there was the Stinky was, Cheese Man, and it was also, title, like, other mixed-up fairy tales. Is this the title of the book? Or is yeah, it well, was, like, the Stinky Cheese Man and other mixed-up fairy tales or okay. something like that. I, yeah, we had yeah. that same one. And then but there was that book, and then there was also the true story of the Three Little Pigs uh-huh. that was, like, from the wolf's perspective, and it was, like, how this it was, you know, the smear oh, campaign against him. And I really, I loved the illustrations in both of them because it was the same illustrator. Um, hmm. And just, like, the, I liked that it was kind of, like, taking you know fairy tales and turning them upside down and stuff and that's very me um mm, it is very you yeah. i also kind of i remember really liking um the rainbow fish 
rainbow fish. Is that a book? Uh, Is that a book or a character? It was a book. What made it stick out in my mind was it had these little holographic foils because it was the rainbow fish and he had all these like glitter sounds kind things of on him. And at the end, he gives away all of his scales so everyone has a rainbow patch. But I feel like reflecting upon that, like that's a terrible that's lesson. That's horrible. Like, to yeah. take what makes you special and just give it away to everyone. So then, because it's like, I get the whole thing of like, well, you know, he was so self-centered. And it's everything. like a fishy version of the giving tree. Like, mm, Kind of. You got nothing left afterwards. Yeah. And it's like, well, it was about sharing, I guess, and like not being up on your high horse. But it's like really a terrible lesson. Like, yeah, like, that's not good. Like, give yourself away until, you know, there's just, like, one piece of you left. Huh. Wow. Dan, what about you? I, I dearly love this book. So, as a kid, I had, I had a lot of fun, really. My mother had really great children's library for me. Maybe that's not surprising. Hmm. And one of my favorite, favorite books, uh, Trevor knows that I love mm-hmm. Ferdinand the Bull. Yeah. And who yeah. just, he refused to be in the bullfights. He just smelled He just cases. wanted to mm-hmm. sit out in the meadow and under I, the tree. I kind of understood that. Um, <laughs> I kind of identified with that. But the book I really loved because it had a lot of sort of adventure to it was The Fool of the World and His Flying Ship. Hmm. That sounds cool. It is an amazing, it's a Russian folktale retold by this incredible author. It was a Caldecott Award winner in 1969. And it's basically the story of... The, the czar says that he will marry his daughter to anyone who would bring him a flying ship. Hmm. And so the, you know, this stupid fool in this tiny village says, me, I'm going to do that. And the villagers, because he is the village idiot, are like, thank God, go do that. <laughs> <laughs> like we can find, our village can finally get rid of its idiot. <laughs> and so he sets off and he has the utmost confidence and everybody treats him like an idiot. Idiot. The, se- <laughs> the second dumbest person in that village thought that was a great idea. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So <laughs> it's it's basically he bumbles his way on all these sort of serendip. Like he's he's gonna and he just he just tells like what are you doing here in our new village? Oh, I'm here to find a flying ship. I'm here to get a flying. Ship. And people of course treat him like an idiot. Uh, but guess what? He gets the job done because he just keeps sharing his problem. Mm. And people want to help him. Mm. Um, I mean, obviously the people who don't think he's an idiot or, or crazy. Mm-hmm. And, but so basically he assembles this team of equally unlikely characters. Mm. Like he comes across this man who has one of his, uh, one of his legs tied up. Like he, he just hops around on one leg. And so the fool says, and like in the book, he's just the fool. So the fool says, you know, excuse me, grandfather, why do you have one of your legs tied up? And he says, oh, well, because if I put the other one down, I would run so fast that I'd never be able to stop. Oh. Well, guess what? That becomes a very useful superpower. (laughs) (laughs) Did they make a movie out of this? Not to my knowledge, but, you know, we have a lot of X-Men. This sounds really <laughs> familiar. A character that unties a leg and then just suddenly is like the Flash. Exactly. Was um, there the, the richest guy who um, his parents were killed in an alleyway <laughs> and he fell, falls into a cave full of bats? Yeah. <laughs> but he finances all his future endeavors with the pearls that... Yeah, yeah that exactly. <laughs> the fucking pearls. The pearl necklace that <laughs> pearl breaks. Necklace. Anyway, so The Fool of His World is Flying Ship. If you, if you are looking for just a fun book to read as an adult, or you have you know nephews, nieces, children, whatever. Uh, I highly recommend it. It is enchanting, and it's just this wonderful, wonderful serendipity of failing up, hmm. and you really are pulling for him because everyone has so such low expectations of this kid. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I just that just really as the weird kid because I was perpetually the weird kid. You wouldn't think, <laughs> but it was just so like yeah. 
Yeah, there's room for weird. And earnestness. Yeah. So what fairy tales fascinated you as a child, dear listener? Trevor, what can they tell us? Well, we're on Instagram and Twitter as at Big Fat Gay Pod. We're on Facebook as a Big Fat Gay Podcast. Leave us five stars there. Support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash bigfatgaypod. See the articles we talked about at www.bigfatgaypod.com. Cha. Maybe you're, uh, you want to, you know, you're feeling inspired. You're going to your bookshelf to read one of your favorite stories from when you were a kid. Mm. And you open it up and there's little, there's a little, there's something in the picture. Oh. And you're getting real close. Mm. And it, the what thing that? in the picture is getting closer. And it's Michael. Ah, watch out. <laughs>